What am I hearing? I'm not sure. Oh, oh, interesting. It's a song. Uh, so, okay. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, Ian, you haven't been introduced yet. I know you have questions, but I can explain. Um, we start every one of these podcasts with a failed demo that Jim has sent out, potentially to get work, but now he has full ownership of because they didn't like it or didn't want it. And uh, Jim, what is this from? Well. Uh, contrary to what you just said, I decided to change it up a little bit and take some tracks from my failed first album instead of. Oh, so this is wow. from the album. This is uh, cool. Holding space. I'm actually. I've got about two thousand copies of it in a shed that I think I'm going to start maybe leaving them on everybody's seats at stand up and clown shows. You should bring. Uh, I think people would listen. <laughs> Their CDs. Think would listen do you think them. they'd even know what to do with it? I still have a CD player, but I have a 15-year-old car. Um, so, yes, this we, is called Move the Top. Did we start? Is this... we, 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 we have, Ian, you haven't been introduced yet. I'm so sorry. It's Be not quiet, your fault. Ian. We haven't introduced, introduced you yet. Um, is, is welcome, everyone. Of... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it now. now but now it, but all that will be in thing. the show. Okay. Oh, no. Welcome, everyone, to Stand Up and Clown the Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Demiani, joined, as always, by my musical and technical director, not a co-host, James Venable. James, welcome to the podcast. Very excited to be here. Can't wait to hear what Ian has to say about clown. And we're going to get to our guest, Ian Bracci, in just a second. But first, a couple <laughs> reminders. Stand Up and Clown is based on a live show. We're actually doing two of these shows in April, having just finished the first. The next one is April 24th. We have James Adomian, Eddie Pepitone. Essentially, we take stand-ups, comics who are unfamiliar with clown, and I run them through a grueling gauntlet of clown pieces in front of a live audience with Jim live scoring. The reason we made the show was because we wanted to introduce a new audience to the work that we do. And that's why we created the podcast, because we thought we could have an even wider reach talking about clown and how it works and what is it, because it's awful mysterious to a lot of people, including us. Last thing to remember, this is a podcast about clowning, not a clowning podcast. We have no obligation to be funny, do bits, characters. This is simply a deep dive into the work. And on that note, um, you should know that I have a bunch of people that I've worked with more than anyone in LA, and our guest is one of them. And I've been kind of holding off on interviewing some of them for weeks where I knew I would need a guest last minute. because <laughs> I felt like uh, I could trust them to show up. I feel so special. Yeah. But but you know what's so funny? In my head, I was going to say this, and it was going to be such an endearing introduction. And then I said it out loud. (laughs) I'm just glad the introduction happened. Has it happened? We are definitely doing this. Jim, put a beep here just in case you want to clean up the front end. So so we'll go back. Um, But ladies and gentlemen, he is an actor, a clown, um, uh, an improviser, uh, a musician. Um, he has a voiceover mic, although I can't remember ever hearing him do any voiceover work. You don't know Dunkin' Donuts then, my friend. <laughs> oh. He is my very good friend. Ian Bracci, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, oh thank you. Now that's an intro, baby. Oh, wow. And a music switch, too. Yeah, so wow. Ian, Ian's not a big podcast guy, Jim. So Hey, Ian. Hi, hi there, Jim. I hadn't listened to a podcast in my life before starting this podcast. So, do you listen now, Jim, to podcasts? Not at all. Okay, so so you should say you're still not. <laughs> Pretty much, but you know, I, 
I listened um, to a couple podcasts, but it took me until the pandemic. I'm a big, I would say more podcasts than TV for me right now. Also, you know, guys know I'm a workout fiend and I'm an outdoors guy. And, you know, so podcasts for me have just become like this very easily consumed thing. And like this podcast, a very niche thing. I have very niche interests like pro wrestling and wellness and, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and Ian, what we do here is, you know, we, we just talk about clown work. That's all we're going to do. There's no, um, no bits allowed. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't want to restrict you if you had a, but, but I, oh, you, you feel no on. pressure, right? Me? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I never, yeah, you, I never feel pressure. <laughs> um, I want to start by going back a little bit. So Ian and I, right now we're on an ensemble called clown zoo. We were part of something that was unofficially called the Funny Time Babies that did a little TV stuff and a little stuff the Lyric Hyperion. We were on the merge. Uh, Ian's been part of every large ensemble I've ever been in in Los Angeles, with the exception of Flawless, my new ensemble. Um, but Ian, honestly, I don't know how you came to this work. You know, we we met in the Idiot Workshop, and you know, we all had different backgrounds. Where did it all start for you, just in terms of performance? Specifically to clown, are we talking or you can talk just talk about you can talk pre-clown a little bit. Like were you a kid who did all the high school plays? Were you did you go to a theater program? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Um I mean I went to uh public school and uh they didn't start doing theater at our school till like high school. Right. Um like our middle school, we didn't have a program or anything. I did some programs that are, we had a civic theater in our town. And so you uh, were interested. The point is you wanted to get yeah. on stage. You oh, were trying to find sure. ways. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was always a class clown and, you know, like standing up in front of people. Was your stuff and, smarter um, back then? Um, God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it devolved like horribly. <laughs> You're you're basically doing Carlin stuff in middle school, and then just like slowly but surely we go. Oh man, the wordplay! The wordplay was fantastic <laughs> when I was young. Cuando era niño. It's also one of the few things I can say in Spanish. Yeah, good. That's when I was young. So there you go. And you were were you in the high school plays and stuff like that? Yeah, I was. Um, I did uh, the fall. We you know we had fall plays, but they they were always so. They were fun, but the the plays were just interesting. We did my sister Eileen. You ever heard of that one? Wait, that's a deep cut. That's my deep. sister Eileen. You guys just didn't do guys and dolls and stuff like just stuff that like big. I mean, wide. we did the, the they did the musicals. I it was kind of like anti musical back then. <laughs> uh, you know, I did that, and we did one act plays, which were like uh, competitions that you did like a one act. And those were a blast. I love those. Those you used to travel around. This is uh, with the Civic Theater or your high school? No, that but that was in high school. So that was with my high school. And you, you had a one act and you'd go like compete with it, basically. Oh, I don't, Jim, have you ever even heard of anything it was like, like that? It like theater competition. I don't think Jim's listening. Yeah, no, there's no God way. damn it, Jim. See, I'm he starting to I was, I was checking some, you, you said I'm not a co-host. So I was merely dealing with some technical things because it's not my job to be a co-host. Ian, let me just tell you a quick story. One time, Jim used to, Jim has like nine cameras and he used to play with the angles. 
And one time he changed angles and I could see that he was watching television during the podcast. He was watching a TV show or true. something during the podcast. You could see a screen. I was just like flabbergasted. How how dare he do something like that? Um, no, I in all sincerity, I'm here to learn. I was merely taking notes on what you guys were saying. So we were talking about... <laughs> now Ian's playing a video game. <laughs> Could you imagine? Um, did you did you have like a theater program in your school, Jim? Like that, like, because mine was so like the obligatory drama program. It wasn't my, my high school was a Catholic high school. It wasn't very good. Like, I there also was went to only musicals. I, you know? I sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I didn't know you were going to keep going. Um, I went Clean to that Catholic. up and, and you put a beep there. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, is that when we cussed too? Fuck. <laughs> I went to a Catholic high school as well. We had a small theater program that I was not involved in. I barely got involved in the band at the time. Um, well, let's go back to our guest. I thought there'd be more there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I don't know. I'd love to hear more about Jim's. Um, thank, thank you. Jim. Thank, thank you. Jim. We'll get up. We'll, I keep we'll cussing. So no, please leave yeah. that in. So you, so you started, you had it, but when you got to college where you already like, I'm going to be an actor, I want to be on stage. Yeah. I mean, I went, yeah. So we, I did theater and everything and I, I even quit my football team, which was, which was something I'll tell you what, um, and then, uh, yeah, I went to college for theater. Um, I went to Columbia College in Chicago, uh, the one and only school I applied to because they accepted everybody. It and was both your 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 the school of choice and your backup school. Exactly, my backup school was just Chicago. <laughs> Chicago, the city was your backup the Chicago, school. which Columbia was basically just. Chicago, the city. And when you were in Chicago, did you interact at all with like Second City and like all that improv? Stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the yeah, main reasons I went to Columbia was because of Second City. So I did a comedy studies program at Second City um, back in what, 2009, something like that. And uh, it was a full semester that was at Second City. Uh, oh, wow. Five days a week. And it was fully immersive only comedy studies so and it was full college credit and uh it was like history of comedy body movement uh sketch improv uh context of, in comedy which at the time i was like guys are stupid and we were talking about memes and this was before fucking memes really took over and we were talking it was anywho like you were talking uh, about them academically yeah, that's before, the, and it was like, how, how do you spread little information in an easy way, kind of type thing? And it was before it was even like fully tapped. It was a great class, actually. Looking was, back, was this around the time that like folks like Frank Cayetti and Ithamar Enriquez, like who was who were the big? Did you know who the big shots were at Second City Chicago at the time? Um, not or really. Were you kind of separated from that because this was just like a program through the school? I mean, I wasn't. Uh, it was also just because I was also in college simultaneously. So I, I was actually doing a play through the school as well simultaneously. Because uh, I always did, and I've always loved theater and doing like dramatic theater as well. And simultaneously, especially. Uh, so I was doing that at the same time, working with, yeah, on a show. And 
sounds like mm. a really great, like, by the way, just sounds like a fun ass time. Yeah, man, I had man, fun. Come on, like a, a semester of just studying comedy. It was and unbelievable. Like, and I'm real close with, with people from that now. And there's a bunch of people, you know, from that program that are working and, and doing very well in Hollywood right now. And, uh, you know, it was a great program. And Liv Rose, fantastic woman, runs the program. I think she still runs it. And yeah, I mean, that was uh, definitely up there in the, the best part of my college experience for sure. And education, certainly in general, uh, some great, great teachers. And actually that program is where I met Jet. Jet was the body movement uh, teacher oh, for that. Jet Eveleth, who's been on yeah. this podcast. And is that, was that your, like at this point, is clown crossing over? Clown is no, it's, Clown word is even, right? not annoyingly. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. Like I'm you were clown. learning things. I mean, I knew I, I like looking back, it's like, oh, all my, the shit I did, we did our final show for uh, the comedy studies program. And mine was me in a, a nude leotard doing a post-apocalyptic dance about like the end of the world. And it was like two men and one woman. And in the end, the woman kills the man and uh, an egg pops out and she just says egg. And then, that that was the only thing said in this whole piece and people that was what of uh, one of my pieces that made it into our final show so i was doing ridiculous work already back uh, when you had the courtesy of wearing a nude leotard which yeah now, now i just for unfortunately for us you don't even bother you're like no, no. oh i've got this costume <laughs> that's uh, called being naked <laughs> um it is know. so interesting too cuz i i often have this experience you know, whether it's my time in pro wrestling where I'm like, this was so clown. I was so learning. Oh, you know, like wrestling, like is wrestling so clown. So clown yeah. And like, just for sure taking it serious, just the act of being an announcer, watching something that was patently objectively absurd, <laughs> reading it like the most important thing that was, had ever happened, man. Like, I was a training. That I is. love that. And I, I was talking, I wish I was more into wrestling younger. I got into it for a brief period and I was a lot of because of the video games. And uh, I was just so caught up on like, well, this is fake. Sure. And like, yeah. if it's fake, it I can't like it because they're pretending that it's real instead of being like, yeah, it's fake and very fun and very crazy. And I, uh, I mean, the early wrestling wasn't fake, was it? Like Moon Dog, that was real, right? No, no, Jim. It all it was always fake. <laughs> but I, I find there was something because I started working in wrestling. It crossed over a little bit when I was um, an um, assistant to the artistic director at Ensemble Studio Theater. And I always say it like that because one time I said, I'm assistant artistic director, and I got yelled at for an hour. Oh, you're boy. Like, you're the assistant to the artistic director. That's and this classic that word makes a big white difference. White troop, man. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I got such like aggressive pushback. And looking back, I think part of it is when we're at that insecure space of like just wanting to perform. And we're doing real acting. You know, I'm doing air quotes. Uh, in, I'm actually doing them off. I'm not. Doing I can't them. see any air quotes. And I was I'm doing them. My hands are not on, but I was doing them down here, which is really <laughs> stupid. Um, but anyway, I think it is like these fuckers are the worst actors I've ever seen. You know, like it's like we're not doing the same thing. And and so because I loved it my whole life, I just always knew it was something else. You know yeah. what I mean? It was just, it yeah. was just this it's other a, thing. Yeah. You know, I actually did. I went to school. One of the things at Columbia that was great is we had a big stage combat program um, with uh, David Woolley and John McFarlane, who are like two 
uh, fantastic stage combat teachers who uh, I did like three years of stage combat. Oh, wow. And a bunch of the people at our school went on to go into professional wrestling. Um, that and Shakespeare sword fighting. It was like oh, the two, <laughs> the two things. But that's why, you know, on stage, I'm very physical, as you know, and mm-hmm. uh, throw myself around. But one of the lucky things I had is I was, I've always been very, uh, I've liked sports and I like to compete. And there was nothing like that at the art school of Columbia. And so it was stage combat that, that I had that outlet. And so I learned how, how to do it in, in a relatively safe manner and when you're doing stage combat the person in control just like wrestling is the person that's getting beat up right and that's always the fun part (laughs) so i like getting the shit you know what looks like getting the shit kicked out of me which you know can translate to i actually getting the shit kicked out of me sometimes too so when um when did you because you came to los angeles like not to pursue clown to pursue acting like you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I came pretty quick after college. I stayed in Chicago for a year or so. Um, that came here and uh, I fell into the UCB, you know, classes quick. And I fell into uh groundlings classes quick. Uh, I didn't love it. I came from Chicago and the scene I came from, I mean, and just fresh out of college, it helps too. Just a great community. Um, really supportive. A lot of black box theaters. Uh, there's Second City in I.O., but it was uh, pretty open, you know, group, supportive group. And I didn't feel that when I came here with the, the scene and the improv scene at the time, which would have been, what, 2012, you know, yeah. sometime around then. And then... Uh, eventually i think it was jet actually who i was talking to who said hey there's this guy named john gilkey who's uh been he just started the classes and she just recommended that she thought he thought she thought he would be good for me and uh he was i mean it was everything that i wanted and Um, was it immediate like uh, oh like, god yes i i i saw one of the early merge before you know i was on it and i was like oh this is it you know i mean my notes always and they're good notes <laughs> but my notes always from improv i'm too big you know i'm too much i'm a loud motherfucker i mean there's that just i'm actually loud not just like a metaphorical thing i'm a very loud human and i gotta tell you that's something i work on regularly toning down uh <laughs> for everybody in my life uh but and and just i'm big and uh i could be big with clown and it was finally when i got to do that too when i was finally like oh i can go as big as i fucking want and then i did and then i was like oh it's more fun sometimes to not go big so it was nice to to do that to be able to be like you know, maybe some of these improv teachers that I was like, oh, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, I had some some wisdom there that I was unwilling to listen to at the time. I have that experience still quite regularly because my, you know, I came from a writing background and I was in UCB a little before you, but also during the time you're talking about, like, because I definitely was a foot in both ponds, you know, like improv and you know, I had an improv clown duo for seven years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, what was that called? Um, I was called Jetso and everyone knows that because I talk about it 
quite a bit. Um, but what I, I do keep having moments where I see improv or I think of things that I pushed back against during improv that I'm like, oh, that's all true. It just was being presented to me in a way that didn't speak to me. For sure. I mean, I also, it's not what I want. <laughs> I mean, it's not what I, I, improv wasn't what I needed at the time. So they were giving me the notes for improv and for what they wanted. And they were right for what they wanted. It's just not what I wanted. It's not what I needed. I didn't want to do Harold's and I didn't want to, you know, I could find the game. It wasn't, that wasn't the issue, which is, you know, for me in improv and, and comedy often is, can you find the game or not? Is it? And after that, it was just, yeah. You know, and I, I think improv kind of had a little dying out or the, you know, traditional long form improv we think of, but I feel like it's having a resurgence again. And oh, for definitely. a good reason. And UCB is pretty, I, mean, I, I miss mean, it. Honestly, a bunch too. of stuff is closed, but UCB is back to pretty regularly full houses. The yeah. The Franklin. Location. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, I love it. I love good improv. I mean, it just got saturated and it just got, it became the end all be all. And, uh, that's not good for anything. I still think I, I, did a clown show that um, Zach Zucker, whom whom is a good friend of mine, and he was running it, and it was at UCB, and he's been teaching clown at UCB, and what, Natalie was there with me, Natalie Palominas, and I, I will say there is an interesting dynamic. The audiences that go to improv shows, they really want it to go right, in a way that I think makes clown difficult. Yeah, like they just they don't like tension. Failure. They don't like failure. So they're just laughing. And it is like a challenge. Like, by the way, they're not bad audiences. They're just, I think improv does groom an audience to be very forgiving and very supportive and almost like be like, have the back of the performers in a way to sort of carry the art form to make it seem better, which I get why you would train an audience to do that. But for what we do, that is a really, it creates some problems because we can't get in trouble. Yeah. They're like, oh, good job. And they're like, no, that was bad. Oh, no, no. You're supposed that to be That wasn't uh, funny. No. That you're allowed to, that's allowed to not be funny. Um, And also and, I think it's a product process of students watching something they want to do. I mean, all those, I mean, students are too. make that's up 50, yeah, 50 to 75% of most audiences, I feel. I don't know. Maybe it's a crazy number, but I don't know if that's, that's when I saw the most no. shows. Um, Do you think like a clown zoo audience is half performers? Oh yeah, no, no. I'm not sure. I mean, not I think perform- really. No, I'm, I guess I'm not. not by the way, there are definitely shows. I guess I which shows too? Yeah, you know. There's definitely shows I do where I'm like, this is every everyone here wants to sort of propel this art form to the next level. <laughs> like they are not, they're like being so supportive. I don't know if they're doing us any favors in this moment, but it's certainly fun to get all this. Um, I love validation. it. You I love it. it. I mean, love it. I love, I love doing it. Yeah. Any audience that's unsuspecting too. I, I, that's the best. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, remember the clown zoo that we did at the uh, rock and roll place in, um, where was the, it? Uh, the fishbowl. <clears throat> yes. That, that wasn't, that seemed like a largely unsuspecting audience. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then the setup, I mean, that's always, 
interesting too. They were definitely unsuspecting. That was a shit show. Well, they were God. there to see rock and rolls bands play, and they got a band, and then they I mean, got they're us. rock and rolls bands. <laughs> he finally Jesus, speaks. He what you say, I have beer in this. Is he band. drinking already? <laughs> he he drinks. My God, rock this and divorce rolls is bands. going terrible. You guys the haven't is that what the kids terrible. call him? Oh boy. I mean, I the thing that um, so I did a with a a, co- a colleague of ours, Bill O'Neill. I did another rock show, and and I think like by the way that Clownsy show I thought was a lot of fun. But it's always the same thing. You get there, and they're like, "We really happy to have you." So here's the thing: right after the band ends, you really have to get out there because everyone leaves to get a drink, and also you're gonna have to perform in a completely dark area. <laughs> Yeah, it's unlit because the st- we have all our equipment on the stage. Except we should have been on the stage. The one and musician, tr- I was the only one that had lights. You, you're yeah, the you look great. Jim. You looked amazing. <laughs> As you, you know, it finally had your moment that you deserve. If only I had come through with the music in that moment because I felt like I had a weird night that night. So I was I, trying that same keyboard that fucked up everything at Chad's. Uh, oh, that keyboard, key. that little weird keyboard. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the merge, Ian. Um, I've had other some. I had John Norris on here. Uh, you know, we talked a little, but it's. I, I'm. I'm. I spend a little time now, especially because of this podcast, thinking back, and it was such a great experience in terms of like people were so excited, and I did feel like we were making something that I was like, I have never seen this. Like I personally have never seen an output where I don't even know what you'd compare us to. Um, what was uh what, what were your takeaways? Because because that was your like me your first big clown ensemble, correct? Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. What do you was think it. was like the most valuable stuff you took away from working with sometimes as many as sixteen people in a one hour show? I mean, I think in what I was looking for from UCB and from Groundlings that I didn't get and that I lost from Chicago was community, and I mean I think that's it. Uh, was huge. You know, I mean, you're talking, those are all people I love dearly to this day. And um, we met up Tuesday nights for what? Years, man. Years. Every Tuesday night. And I mean, you do that with for anything (laughs) as as a co-curricular activity where you're not getting paid and you're going and showing up and everyone did. I mean, uh, I think off the bat, that's the first thing I can. I think of, I mean, in general with clown and idiot and all of this and my favorite part of it. And the thing that is, you know, means the most is community, Uh, especially in LA with what we put up with in this industry and so much bullshit that that's what, that's what I needed. Um, And I think Gilkey was amazing at uh, cultivating that. Uh, He approaches everything to this day, which is like, this open heart of he's just a, such a softy in a, in a in a great lovely way of uh i think he similarly has been had been looking for that community uh and he made it and in, in a lot of ways i mean after cirque and all that i mean you'd have to talk to him and he'd be <laughs> lovely to talk to i'm sure but uh yeah, him starting that and the people. Uh, and other than that, it was where I learned. I mean, really, it's where I failed the most and where I was comfortable doing so. Uh, 
with with that group in that tiny little room at the uh, complex the, vi- the villa years. the villa right the villa which i don't know if that building's even there anymore i knew they were going to i know were gonna i know it. we got kicked out because we smelled too bad yeah wasn't yeah. that why they, they yeah the, the room smelled too but, but i mean we had like 12 people in this i mean we we were renting the tiniest room that was the cheapest room there and uh i also remember i think i've mentioned this one of the craziest parts of that room is in, in the summer when it was hot you had to open this window but it wasn't a window it was simply a a door a door sized oh, opening yeah. with a piece of um plywood over it to so the back alley you would just if you you know the stage was very small and there was always like when you were watching, you're like, I hope no one falls through Seth that. Word, please don't go out that window. <laughs> don't die. <laughs> uh, please, Seth watching Word. people just bouncing like pinballs. And there was like this huge open door sized window, no glass that like you would fall two stories onto uh, asphalt and a, potentially a dumpster in the back. Um, I, you know, it's interesting as I think about the merge too, I think, you know, and I think obviously the merge was very good for the idiot workshop and like formed a lot of friendships, but having now run running shows and this and that, I do kind of also understand because at the end of the merge, uh, John finally just, you know, he just kind of needed to move on John Gilkey who was running it. And I think part of what had happened was we did have such a strong kinship and community. And he had come from the circus where there was like a total commitment to that circus, but we're in Los Angeles. Yeah. So we were also auditioning, chasing jobs, doing other things. And I think it was like, it was hard to reckon with that for him. Totally understandably. Right. Because in his mind, he's like, we're putting out this show. Everyone loves this show. And we're all so good together, but we're also at a different point in our lives, age wise and success wise. Cause he's a millionaire too. Like, you know what I mean? Like rightfully so he, has built all these great acts for Cirque and, you know, he had residuals and we're all like poor, poor. And I think like it wasn't on purpose. Yeah. Poor, broke ass, poor, poor. But yeah, like now looking back, I'm like, Oh, right. It's like you do in Los Angeles specifically. It's like a little bit of a deal with the devil that the more talented, the people you play with, the harder it will be to wrangle them into something greater as an ensemble, because like, look at who we play with in clown zoo. They're on TV all the time. They have all kinds of opportunities and stuff like that. And it's like, I think I'm glad I was went through that process with the merge so that I could understand having to look at working with great people differently and not feeling that like, Oh, it's personal. It's not personal. It's like, it's it's the culture of like making it and like we're all here for that and we're all supporting each other and supporting each other's other projects and hey if you can't make a month or two of shows because you have something great going on well then we're all winning but like i can understand back then it feeling like why are we always second why is this look at this collection of amazing talent many of which have gone on and work uh in vegas right now and have done amazing things and published things and done all these things. Like I think back then it was hard to sort of rationalize that for him. And I understand why, you know, and I think that's kind of what led to the end of it was just the fact that this was just going to be a collection of family and friends who went out and did great shows and that we couldn't get any further because we all had other things that also we were chasing. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, 
we all have our own end game in, in certain aspects and uh you know i think um guilt like you said with the idiot workshop had that as well and him and amartha really took off with that and that program is fantastic and um i i think uh everything has its own sh shelf life you know uh i don't there's not a single group that i've been in in the last you know whatever many years of working that at some point it's just we all got yeah different different shit that we we yeah. have uh, pr different priorities and uh and then that's fair and uh i think that without the merge you know i don't think i would be doing the work i'm doing now and that's for sure and uh, or even how about for me even the idea of live direction for me which has become such a central oh, I mean, part of what i, mean, I do for sure i mean that's becoming a staple within the community itself you know i mean that that uh, you know that's why clown clown and idiot specifically existing without a live director is very difficult um and yeah, yeah no, you I need mean, a zookeeper that, for sure zookeeper. yeah i mean and you know for me you know i the biggest thing with all of it with the merge and clown zoo and now i'm doing cruel babes with gilkey which is another group that uh we've started that's fantastic another big group of like 12 to 15 people at the same size or even bigger it's i think about the same size you know i mean the merge was always in flux at some point but it's the same size if not bigger um and you know, again, devoting and committing to something like that is, you know, it's a big commitment if you want to tr truly be involved. And, you know, I got, I have some friends that are, they're doing very well uh, in Hollywood and on, you know, they're doing well, but they're struggling still. And I think one of the biggest reasons why is because that's what they have is, is the, uh, their, their career as an actor and that, the theater the what we use it as for and for is clown is like what gives the the life and the joy into being able to withstand being a entertainer being an actor out here in hollywood and at a level that i would only dream of it's still a struggle and it's the same thing at every level while you're, when you're doing this, where you're wondering why you're being looked over for this role and why this other person is getting it. And then you have all this stuff going on of, you know, why, you know, you have so little control and, and it's something that you just have to accept, but at the same time, it doesn't mean it doesn't suck and it's not difficult to deal with. And I think if I didn't have the different, for me clown outlets to use the theater then i wouldn't be able to withstand the rejection that comes with hollywood it's just a grinding man and it does not stop i, I this is you know again <laughs> a level i would only you know dream of being at and uh that grind is forever so if you don't have this and if you don't have that to and for me, I, that's why I don't like to put too much of a purpose on it other than showing up and being there and finding whatever it is that needs to be found. Uh, because, and I think that's what happened with the merge at some one point maybe, is that 
it became, oh, is this going to be the vehicle that what is fuels us to, uh, yeah, to this? And to me, clowning is not that, you know, I don't intend to make money and direct directly from clowning in a way like, uh, I don't know. I, that being said, it's all within me and every performance I do, no matter what on screen, off screen, I'm a clown. No, I think you have to, I think, I think you're, here's the thing, like, and it's so interesting. Cause like, I'm at this juncture in my life where, you know, I like, I'm really not focused at all on auditioning. I'm kind of just teaching and doing these shows and, and sort of seeing what comes to me through clown and stuff like that. But the reason I can be there is because, you know, during a certain part of my life, when I was doing the merge and Jetso, I was a working screenwriter and by design, I was like clown idiot, all of this stuff. This is my passion. This is the process that sort of makes me whole. This is the process that makes me a better artist. And because I never tacked on what I did when I was a screenwriter, like this job will get produced. This will mean that I will get this type of open writing assignment. This means like once that became such a central part of my writing career, all the joy, it was bloodless. It was just like making all these strategic choices, by the way, based on nothing. I knew nothing. Like, so (laughs) You're making these choices that don't aren't even effective because you know fucking nothing. And, you know, going out and being like, you know, I did like, I think Juzo and I, Juzo keeps adding, I think we did just over 600 shows. I heard him tell someone we did 720 shows. I can't wait for that number, like, where that number ends Where's up. this number going to, how many shows could we have done? Oh, it's um, going to go into the thousands for sure. But like the freedom of like, this is just for me. Like, and I still feel that like every time I go out, I'm like, this is just for me. Yeah. And, and I'll say this, and this is something, and the Elysian has been such a great home for us with clown zoo and other things that we've all been doing. You know, I've been a little bit involved in Rory Scovel's show, the whatever show mm-hmm. we became friends last year because he did a stand up and clown and just loved clown. And when I, he's always like bringing in big guests, like very success, like you're talking about, and I know you have some friends, very successful. So these very successful people. And let me tell you, I find it hard to believe that when they walk off a movie set or you know go to an award show, that they're buzzing like they are when they just do a live show for 140 people. There is yeah, I mean live so shows magical. in general, man. Right. I mean, I think you can find it on set certainly because they, you know, I, I when I'm on set, I feed off audience, so I treat <laughs> the the sound people who the are grips. not listening in the grips who have <laughs> zero interest and are not listening whatsoever. But I'm like, yeah. But if I can get them to pay attention, boy, I got them. I think oh, and you it's might fun, have by the way. That I'm not in Shameless, by the way, Ian. I, what was I that? saw you in Shameless recently, and uh, I think you pulled it off. Well, I did. I had my uh, my pants pulled off as well. So you got my attention. Well, oh, Bratchy. Yeah, that transcends from stage to screen. And and I'm by the way, I'm not saying that like being on set is fun. Like it can be monotonous. Oh, for can, sure. But. The, the experience of just performing, especially with your friends to a live receptive audience and, and, and also presenting stuff that is completely undiluted version of yourself. Like Absolutely. there are millionaires going to this little theater and buzzing when they get like you don't reach a certain level of success where that still isn't the purest form of joy for a performer. Absolutely. I think PDA too, Kevin, uh, Claire's face up in Altadena, uh, public dis- play of altadena that's it right yeah 
theirs is great because it's such a tiny little spot that you can have 20 people in that that place and it feels, feels like oh you're crushing man <laughs> and kev kev does this one-man show there every week kevin krieger and uh is it always improv it's an improvised it's show, an right? improvised one-hour show weekly and it is just a, a fucking train wreck that is the best thing to watch in the world i love kevin so much and he is such a joy and last one i saw he was his birthday and his son was there and running around the stage the whole time and kev was trying to work with it but you could see him actually getting upset that his son kept interrupting his set and it was just like just couldn't be more beautiful and uh but yeah, that space was fantastic because it's so small. You just get 20 people in there, baby. You got a rocking house. We are actually doing our first uh, live podcast taping at PDA. There you with go. Our guests being Claire and Kevin. Well, there you go. I'm sure he'll tell you more about his fantastic one man show. <laughs> or it's a one hour improvised show. Claire's doing a one hour one woman show. So. I've seen it a couple of times, actually. Yeah, I saw I've seen early iterations of it. So it's been a Claire was um, you know. a member of Claire Wolner, member of the merge. And I had been actually her one uh, idiot. One, I taught one idiot class as a substitute last minute, which I would bring up. If you remember in the merge all the time that I was a part of the faculty, but right, in fact, faculty I had just covered for someone who gotten sick and um, she was in that class. And so she eventually worked her way into the merge in a couple of years. Cause she's super talented and funny, but she has a different vibe. And I just used to get such a thrill out of just like telling her how, how not funny she was on stage and like just the look of shock on her face <laughs> because it got the audience really to root for her and stuff like that. But we still like, she just posted on Instagram today. She's like, Chad does not think I'm funny. He does not think I am a clown because we were promoting this live podcast. And there it's like, you go. that's the fun of it too. It's like the work can be so silly and yet oddly personal. Do you oh, know what yeah. I mean? It's so I mean, personal. Clowning has to be. I mean, can, can I jump in on that note? No. At the, uh, we're uh, talking, at Jim. At our last stand-up and clown, there was a bit that came up where Chad was counting down ages of eras of my life. Well, he, no, what was it, Chad? I think you said something along <laughs> You were counting down from like 90 to 100, then 60 to 70, as far as ages. And it was this idea of that. these two these two performers were supposed to age backwards, and one was supposed to be rich, and one was supposed to be poor. And the, the challenge of it was, at every stage, <laughs> your lives should look the same, but different. Like, it's just pure. Oh, good fucking, lord. Yeah. And so one of the performers just decided to pretend they were Jim through the whole oh, thing. And the thing that great. killed me, the thing that fucking murdered me to this day, actually, is that this person waited until you said 55 to 60 and then decided, oh, I'll go to and be Jim. That's my example of a 55 to 60 year old, which it so happens I'm going to be turning 56 in May. So <laughs> the accuracy was I mean, just fucking it was amazing. It, <laughs> to this day, I, I'm walking a little bit slower and my head's a little lower. That's what well, I'm saying. You know what? As we get older, we have to... No. there's. I don't get it. There's no positive. <laughs> no, no. There's no positive to getting... The I'm, only I'm sitting here stretching is... my leg because I've been sitting here. Oh, boy. For in, just, in one I... position for too long that I'm, I got my leg up stretching around. 
I stand the whole podcast because for that very reason. Are you really? I stand for the whole podcast because if I sit down, invariably there'll be a moment where like my hip hurts. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I'm just sitting. Wow, I am being injured by being at rest. Yeah. Um, I just I want to ask, and I'm not and, old. To be clear, people listening, you I'm sound a lot old older like, than you I'm are. Not you're, you're fairly old like young. You guys, I'm young. You're mid thirties, cool. right? Yeah. Yeah, you're a young guy. I'm, yeah, mid thirties. That's still yeah, young. Good, barely mid thirties. <laughs> you're holding I'm on twenty eight. <laughs> it is a little scary that we all kind of do look about the same age. It, I look older. <laughs> I feel like I look younger than Ian. Oh God, you look, we look the same age at, at least. <laughs> I mean, I grade. I I did a lot of drugs throughout my life. Why did and you stop? Because well, look at say, me. Hey, hold on. <laughs> Are you <laughs> claiming you stopped? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> this is an educational podcast. We'll keep it. We'll, we'll keep it vague. Hey. All right, yes, Jim, put, let's a, talk Jim, put a beep here. Put a beep here. Good or not. All right, just in case we want to cut all this because this is a clown podcast. Did you just do a heartbeat? <laughs> yeah, you said put a beat there, right? This is oh, a clown yeah. podcast. Drugs should be talked about. Yeah. I mean, if anything, that should be one of the, the biggest topics. I encourage every clown out there to take oh, as many safe drugs as you can. You know, acid. I'm talking about acid. Oh, acid. Okay. Just take. Um, have you tripped, Chad? I have only done a. T- I've done mushrooms quite a few times. I've only done an acid like tab or whatever like one time many years ago. Yeah. Um, and I really didn't. I, I don't think it was a very strong one or anything. like I've never had the experience that people describe like maybe like the world kind of reshaping itself or hallucinations. So you've never tripped that. balls. No, never trip balls. No, Jim, have you trip balls? Fentanyl. You got to check for the fentanyl these days. I don't Jim. think you have to worry about fentanyl and acid, Jim. <laughs> Jim, oh. have you trip balls? That was the question no, you were asked. No, I have not. I have not. I Boy, did, guys, I... listen. Next podcast, I have an idea. All right. I, I know I can <laughs> We are it. all going to trip balls. I... We barely got your mic to work, but we're going to trip balls in this <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> hey, but you know what? We wouldn't need mics. Mm, when um, balls. Yeah, now, your... now hit that beat button again. Hit that beat button. <laughs> God damn it. Um, Ian, I did want to talk to you about so Cruel Babes, which is a show I think you guys are running once a month at Lyric Hyperion. It has a th- maybe a smattering you, Joe Mitchell. I, I'm not sure. Is Claire Wolner involved in that too? Or no? No. Um, a any, lot of the mergies are no are not a part of it anymore. Okay, so you have a couple of the old guard. And then a bunch of really vibrant, fun, new clowns. What what would you say, like, just right off the bat, now that you've been working together for a while, do you just, what are, like, what do you notice as, like, differences, improvements, uh, changes in the world that reflect changes in the show, anything like that? I mean, I think it's, first off, it's it's exciting to work with new people, always. And, you know, we, I, yeah, it's me, Amrita, Joe, Amira. Um, I think I'm, yeah, that's about it. The originals, the old, yeah. The merge. And, you know, I mean, a lot of these, you know, people I'm performing with were former students of mine as well from Idiot Workshop. And, you know, they've got, some, and we've, we, we're, we're, we're working on being personal and getting to know each other. That's a huge part of this work. And, you know, so, some voice like, oh, it's, uh, intimidating a bit or there's a uh like um oh do i belong here feel right and 
I I feel the exact same way with this group of people because they are young and like so hungry to you know it, which is refreshing after doing it for you know a bit that you you to see that again that I'm like man I got to bring it every time every rehearsal I show up to because they bring it every every time and you know we're working on different things but it's just like a so it's more diverse in in so many ways and uh it's just been something i wasn't sure about and then i i kind of was like okay let me commit it's in i have to drive from venice to altadena Oof. to do these rehearsals and you know it's a commitment and i'm glad for sure i mean this last show we had was fantastic um everyone's voice is like starting to be able to like feel comfortable within this group and it's just starting so i'm excited to see where it's going because right now it's like can we you're talking about taking risks in front of an audience but in the first place we need to do that with each other we need to learn uh you know how we tick and how we perform who we are and sometimes that's about opening up about personal things or just like seeing how people react and behave it's just, you know you learn like I've been Cameron Farmer is in the group and they are fantastic. And I've like slowly gotten to know them. And even just this last week, we did about three nights of shows in a row randomly where we were on the same show. And I, I you know, right after that, even I'm, I'm, I'm already like, all right, Cameron, I'm getting to know them better there. I, I, I see how they play and I'm like so excited and, and hungry to be like, Oh, uh, what can we do together and what can, what more can we do with this group? Um, and that's, that's really exciting. And I, that's just a little bit of time that I got to spend with them. And now I, I'd love to have that moment with more of the people from this group, you know, that, and that's just doing shows, sitting backstage, shooting the shit and, you know, seeing each other do bits that are bombing or killing and, you know, all of that. That's so it's again, I came back to it. It's just, Ooh, new community, new people is what, you know, is nice. And be like, ah, this younger group is of performers are killing it, man. I think too, you know, we talk about, cause we know when I teach um, out of state and stuff like that, or <clears throat> teach in other cities outside of LA, I'm really very, so pro ensemble. I'm like, I know you all want to do your your solo stuff and this and that. Find a group. You'll still do your solo stuff. You'll still do your solo shows. Find a group to help shape your voice. And one of the things I took away from the merge, because you know when I at the same time I was doing all these Jetso shows, and you know Jim was our musician quite a bit back then, but it was like a musician and then Juzo Yoshida and myself. So there was all this time on stage to be yourself. But when you're in a big ensemble. It's like you have to be completely authentically yourself and sometimes you get one minute, right? Yeah. Like you, and that's like such a great sharpening tool to be like, the minute I come out, I need them to know who I am. And like, if you can do that, then man, when you have the time, you are like a powerhouse. Oh, absolutely. And when you get very, you know, when you've even, you know, been doing it longer, you don't need that minute. You're standing there watching and you can do so much just watching and and being supportive on the stage, being involved with a, a line here or there. I mean, sometimes that's what you get, and just because of how it falls, or one person's just killing it, and it's like, please let them run, 
you know, I, yeah. I, I don't need it. Um, yeah. When you see something catch fire that like for me or in the early days, now it's much better, but in the early days, it would be this mixed reaction of like, oh, that's good. And then also I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to get as much time. Like, cause you're starting out and you're like, this is so good that it needs to keep going. But I also can't help but feel like just that jealousy of like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's, all, but that's the best. That's but the, the best idiot, feeling. when you're a clown and an idiot, like you should want, you should be dying to be on that stage. Yeah. That's, that's like the clown has to, because when we're told we can't be, and when, or if we're proven to be not good enough by the audience, it should be earth shattering. You know, like that's our, that's it being on stage. So yeah, no, I mean, that's fun. And that's why that energy though, you know, you can feel that when you're watching people and it's a big ensemble, the people that are just alive on the back line yeah, or wherever they are on the stage, you know? And it's just like, ah, oh, that's nice to see. I think too, when we did the merge, we had this, we was at the clubhouse, which is where I still run Catsby, but we had this ability to be behind the audience because of the way that the, the uh, theater is set up. And I always felt that like when we were really present and active, even when we were standing, we were literally surrounding them. Yeah. Like even though we weren't stealing focus, just our vibration back there wanting to go out there. I'm like, this is affecting this room. Oh yeah. For sure. Absolutely. It's crazy shit, man. It's crazy shit, man. (laughs) Tripping Um, balls. Tripping balls. We are, we know we're tripping balls intellectually right now. I'm leaving. (laughs) This is, I'm done. Goodbye. One other thing I wanted to say about ensembles too, like these big ones, because like I said, if you're in a smaller market and you're doing clown and you can get like, you know, you might have four people. That's great. You might have eight. You might have 12. Like it it is harder to learn without like a good top clown, a good clown boss, how to work together. But I think it teaches you something else. And this was something was one of my secret tricks when I was in the merge, which is, you know, your turn is coming and you might have ideas of what you wanted before the show. But you have to do the thing that the show needs in like, you know, if the show has been running at 180 miles an hour, yeah, you're yeah. going to be the one who hit the brakes. If the show has been meaningful and thoughtful, you better be the dumbest motherfucker to ever walk out. Like, and that is such a gift to sort of take in the space and be like, it's not just about what I want to do, the offer I want to make. It's the offer the show needs me to make because this audience needs to be misdirected this audience needs to be taken care of this audience needs to be revived whatever it is and Mm -hmm. like to this day i'm like i would say no experience i've had other than those five years in the merge has built that muscle better than 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 doing that with so many people no absolutely i mean yeah well said (laughs) Um, I nailed it, Jim. <laughs> I, you know, it was I know. like just complete. You almost like, ended the podcast. Yeah, Put a beat there, Jim, just because I want to re-listen to it. <laughs> yeah, me um, too. Put a beep there so I can listen to it for the first time. <laughs> so for, that's, that's your beep. The first one's my beep. Um, Ian, I did want to talk to you about teaching. Um, you have uh, been a teacher at the Idiot Workshop. Um, you also two things I wanted. To, I was curious about one. And I don't know if this is still the policy at the Idiot Workshop, but there was a time when you were teaching in tandem. I think the only program in that I in Los Angeles yeah. or that I've ever heard of of teaching in tandem. So I was curious first about what is it like to sort of kind of teach work and have like a co-teacher? Like how do you 
Oh do boy. That stuff beforehand on like, do you, how do you find the the rhythm of the, cause I think it's a wonderful opportunity to have two different artists with two different approaches. Like that seems like getting your money's worth in a class, but, but I'm also curious about how do you find that like the singular direction of a class? I mean, it was, um, yeah, it was a double edged sword for sure. Uh, it, it, <laughs> did you talk with John Norris about this? Cause we taught a lot together and I don't think he I don't, could not stand teaching with me. <laughs> no, so I didn't. I'm, no, I'm interested is, to, to you're know not clapping back at John Norris. You're, <laughs> no, you don't no, have to clap back. No, no, no. It's well-deserved. I mean, John would, oh, John would say like, Hey, you know, whatever. He'd be like, make sure when you come out, you got to make eye contact right away. And I'd be like, or not to, literally everything oh, like, i mean because rules are meant to be broken and like we don't need you know <laughs> i was horrible oh, i was uh, just the worst to teach with because i because especially with colin i'm like no but there are no rules but there are guidelines that we you know obviously are helpful um so you know i think there could be difficult it depended who you were teaching with but i mean did really, you take turns because you know i i co-taught a couple workshops with kiranova and we found like the only way to really do it because we didn't have as much time like you guys did was be like, she'd for, teach the first two hours and I teach the second two hours of an intensive. But um, like, yeah, how did I mean, you guys do it? There was a bit of a taking turns, but, um, and again, it depended who you were working with, um, and what kind of system you wanted to set up with each teacher. I think for the most part, yes, you took turns either with the students or the exercises. Um, so within the exercise, taking turns with one student and the other, um, but when it was really clicking, you would be taking turns, but at the same time, feel free to jump in. If a, you found something or you saw something that could help lead, uh, you know, the student into a, a playful area, um, uh, you know, or, or someone it's floundering a little bit and it needs, you know, so it's, it would, that was always nice to have, uh, you know, Norris there. If I'm like, ah, I don't know what to do here. Norris right. would see something that he could run with. I'm like, boom, take it. This is fantastic. Um, so when you were really clicking, it was a bit of a, you know, toss back and forth. Um, but really it was positive because, you know, like Amritha Dollywall and I are very different, um, as as far as how we teach and and she's uh very articulate she's very precise um she can tell you little tiny movements and details that uh i will i just wouldn't pick up and uh where i'm a, a little bit more about the play and the f flop and finding that and feeling that and you know what can we learn and from the the, the feel uh what do you know? I took a lot of drugs and I think that the differences were like same philosophy with different, you know, points of view from of that philosophy. And that was nice. And something that I think, yeah, I mean, shit, if I had a class that I was taking and I could have two teachers there for everyone, like that'd be, I'd take that every time. I mean, that's the the thing too. It's like, Especially like, and this is why I think we were attracted to clown as opposed to improv, because I do feel like when you went through an improv program, there was the idea of like a codifying philosophy in, in the sense of like, we're all trying to play basketball together. 
And then in clown, it's like, well, you've got a basketball, you've got a court, you've got two nets. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, you can do anything. If they like it, we're okay. Like, yeah. We're not you trying can... to get every, like, and so even, I, I think it would be interesting. Like, I think it's, I think it's a very cool idea to do that. That's why I even did the co um, teaching with Kira, because it's like, we're all doing the same thing. We're all doing the same thing. It has to come from an authentic place of like, we create the sort of principles that we think are most important. We share a lot of commonality, but every clown is like one of the Avengers, you know, like every clown has a different superpowers and oh, super weakness. 100%. You know? and, and that's so, what like, I tell you. It's good. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I tell stu- any student, like, please take classes with as many different uh, clown teachers out there because it's everyone, someone's going to ring different for each person, you know, and then, my philosophy and how I teach is going to, for some people really dig it. And some people it's not specific enough. It's not, uh, you know, whatever, you know, I don't, I'm not going to drag myself through the dirt about why not to take my classes. <laughs> it wouldn't be great if you spent 20 minutes talking about <laughs> like, like, these are God. some really, so I'm a reasons. shitty teacher. Uh, no, I like, I have fun. I, I like teaching intro classes more than anything though. It's my yeah, favorite. And it's what I thrive. That's where I do the best. And it's because it's these new people ready to learn and they don't know what it is. And, you know, I hate this too, but like, we don't know what it is. (laughs) It's an evolving art form that is evolving as we are doing it. And clowning has become more mainstream now. And so you're seeing these different offshoots of it, you know, of, uh, more dance oriented, more music oriented, more, uh, you know, using film and all sorts of stuff, you know, it's only, it's finding more avenues of like what it is, uh, what it can be. I'm, I have one more thing I want to talk about, but I did want to ask you one more question in terms of teaching and in terms of work that you're seeing, is there something that, you know, like, is there something that you notice for intro level clowns tends to be the thing that you focus on the most because it's the, like, it's the first key to getting them where they need to be or a deficit in performance, like that you want to address immediately when you're bringing someone in to idiot or clown. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of people that find their way to clown were like what I was when I had gone through UCB and I'd left Chicago and I was yearning for the sense of community and that clowning requires you to be, to humble yourself in order to be successful. And in doing so you immediately break down these walls that society has, you know, made us put up and you get this connection with this group that you're performing with much quicker than you would for me i mean and and in most scenarios uh, you know not to drag just it's it's i worked with a group a class a few weeks ago i subbed in for mirrors class for a couple weeks and there was their first weeks working together and they already seemed so close and it was just like seeing anybody you see a child you know experience something for the first time it's awe-inspiring it's like oh my gosh look at that look at how much fun they're having and it's like it reminds you like oh yeah this is so stupid and so silly and so guttural and 
primal in so many ways of like this childlike behavior that we still all have in us and you know seeing people like experience that and realize that again some people for the first time in many many years or you know for the first time as an adult it's just like it's amazing it filled me i hadn't taught in a while and i did that class and i was just like oh my god i I, I miss this i love this i love this and like you hear teachers say sometimes like oh you're teaching me as much as i'm teaching you it's like when it's right that is so it's it's so very true it was a good like reminder like oh gosh if you do this right there's so much joy and there's like so much community and love it was like it was overwhelming in a very positive way i think you know because i had that experience too that like a lot of the intensives i teach that usually like a group becomes like friends maybe not forever, but like there's groups that I taught last year that I still see them together at shows. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think it's just this reminder. And I I try to take it personally for myself that when you let people see you, like when you let people really see your authentic self and you are good, which most people are, most people are good that like all the things you were worried about people seeing all the bumps and bruises. In fact, that just endears them to you. Oh, like gosh, immediately. Right. immediately. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And we, we fight it right in normal, like parlance and normal conversation, meeting people. There's always sort of more of a strategic, like, well, let no, me, we let want them to see in. my best side. We want to fit well, in. We want to fit in. Yeah. Last thing I want to talk about before we, we have something. So I shouldn't mention in, that and I don't want you to get in your head about it, but this podcast ends with you answering the question, "What is clown?" So Whoa. that's how this podcast ends. If you give a perfect answer, the podcast is over. No pressure. Um, but before we get to that, I don't. Why now? You said that. No pressure. Now you didn't I, just. You, no pressure. You should have just sprung it on me. Now I'm going to sit here and pretend I'm not. Want, I don't want you in your head. Um, well, what do you talk? Talk something about me then. <laughs> well, what I want to ask lastly is about the gentleman cowboys. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I know. There we go. because I do feel like when you talked about the work constantly being translated and retranslated, I mean, this is clearly like there are elements of performance art and clown in this group. First, could you just for people who haven't heard it or seen it kind of explain what the group is and then maybe tell us a little bit about how your past and your training kind of have played into the shape of it? Yeah. Uh, Gentlemen Cowboys is a band that I front now. Um, and it's got me as the front and uh, got some good musicians behind me. My brother-in-law, Phil, and my buddy Buster and uh, Jake and Van sometimes. Anywho, shout out to the fellas. Uh, <laughs> a lot of first names for nobody to know. Uh <laughs> All in witness protection. Clearly. Yes, every one of them. Don't worry about their identity. Um, no, you know, it's, I love it. It's um, my baby right now, for sure. Um, it, it's a kind of like where my clown voice has found itself. Uh, I found myself doing in the merge and various things. I always fall into music. I love music and have a music background. Um, I can play like most instruments. Okay. But I can't play any instrument. Well, uh, so I'm one of those guys. I've got a big record collection that I like to show people and don't listen to often. Um, so, uh, I'm 
just and, a and, cool and the music guy. and the music's kind of like like would you call it like honky tonk like, uh kind of like i'd say it's um honky tonk kind of like some honky tonky americana feel but it's also got some psych rock kind of like uh punk elements to it as well uh it's kind of hard to explain uh i have you actually a couple of the songs that are like the most successful are straight from the merge and like idiot work i do these restaurants which is me yelling about restaurants and have you been to them and that's the song and i kid you not it tears the fucking house down every time and i love it we close every show with it but we've been doing it it's so it's it's funny for sure but i try to push into more band than funny uh or at least equal parts uh the music is really great the musicians are fantastic musicians so the music sounds great and if you listen to the lyrics some are super on the nose like oh that's really funny and a lot of it though is kind of absurdist clowny uh stuff where uh you know it's nonsensical in a lot of ways but it gives you a lot of feels for whatever reason uh you know i do ghost dad uh which i don't know if you remember that merge classic of course merge classic ghost dad i do these restaurants from the merge uh i got a song called barber salad about barber salad eating meat and uh it's a fantastic punk song you know but i got some on the nose that it's like cocaine christmas it's like oh ha 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 doing cocaine on christmas um or i've got you know uh some american bangers that are ironic and you know whatnot but it's fun and i love it and that's the bottom line and it's right now what's giving me the most joy on stage and and a bit uh, of a wouldn't you say like kind of i wouldn't call it rebranding but for sure having known you many years and seen most of everything you've done definitely the most flamboyant version of your clown oh for sure well i mean i think for me too it's like uh you know i am queer and it's like the first time i've really embraced yeah i think the first time i've ever seen any any on stage and in a way that i was like celebrating it um and that's felt amazing and uh you know i you know, I do, I wear a dress on stage sometimes and different, more feminine clothing, but uh, it's not funny. I mean, it it can come off for some people, but I'm not wearing it to be funny. And it feels that's, like rock and roll to me. Like, yeah, it, does, and it, it feels it, like it, more like rock to me. And I, I feel like, tr- I kid you not, there's this red dress that I have from fashion brand company, shout out to Max and Penelope. But it, I feel like I actually feel sexy in it. <laughs> and I don't think I'm a goofball with a funny looking body with knees that bend backwards and an inverted spoon ass. Uh, it's hard for me to feel sexy. <laughs> and uh, I do. And I, you know, I sing some songs about being queer a bit, but really it's more about just like the living that expression and allowing myself to be like, comfortable with that and celebrate it uh i come off especially when i have a big old beard and you know i've got a lower raspyish voice and come off very masculine in a lot of ways um but 
I'm I have three sisters and um my mom you know I my father's wonderful man but I was raised by women mostly and my aunts I have fantastic aunts and um you know I even every Halloween I dressed up as a woman since I was in second grade and like that was my little brief like ooh, and this that was more funny and haha and but there was a part of me that loved it and loved that expression and it truly took me until my 30s that it was like oh uh no this is actually a part of me and this isn't a joke yeah. this isn't this that part of it isn't to be funny it's actually for me to express fully who i feel i am and you know it's tough because i've in some ways you know have lived a i've been sheltered by living a very heteronormative lifestyle in many ways. And so I try to celebrate it within myself without trying to take away um, anything from others. And I think, yeah, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but it's, I, I love it. I feel really great. Uh, it's what gives me the most joy right now. The songs are bangers. We're having a lot of fun. I have getting great feedback. I don't, it's hard for me to talk positive about myself. <laughs> we are killing it with the gentleman cowboys. And it's just because it's pure joy for me. And I think you can feel that. And uh, I'm my brother-in-law, who is my neighbor, married my sister, who is one of my best friends growing up. I mean, great musician too. Phenomenal. And he's very hot. And he uh, is like my number two and, my homie and like Buster Bear, who's a phenomenal clown idiot as well, and musician and Jake. I mean, it's just like phenomenal. Like these guys are amazing musicians, and they take the time to sing songs with me about eating butthole. Uh, and we, I, I talk to them about set lists, and their set lists sound ridiculous because the names of our <laughs> things. And I'm debating like, okay, so do we do butthole first or cocaine Christmas? And do we do you know because you know. The cocaine Christmas build is blah, 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 you know, and they're just crying, laughing because this is not their world. And that joy is there on the stage, too, is their whole shtick is you're not allowed to laugh. This is very serious. And they play it phenomenally. And so it's just re like there's just so much on stage. And we have a show on Sunday, but I don't know when this comes out. So probably which Sunday in the past no. this Sunday. So that, that will probably be will be. And so that show, we killed it. I, I saw that show it was amazing. Yeah. Oh man. That was probably our best show ever. Well, we're going to put in the episode notes, um, your Instagram and, and anything else. So definitely. If yeah. The gentleman Cowboys has, I think like 35 followers. We just started a page about a month right. ago. So get on it, baby. It's really <laughs> fun right now because I just talked to 35 people personally. So it's like, get in early, page. get, get in, in early. Cause right now it's good. It's like real Percy. My 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 regular Instagram page ain't shit. I mean, it is. Please follow me there. Oh, I don't follow me both. I need please. Follow, please follow me because <laughs> our business unfortunately depends on that. Uh, this brings us. Thank you for that. And yeah, and and I I get full uh, stamp of approval from me. This this is a delightful, like super fun band and like real real musicians and like just very silly and fun and electric. So we'll we'll again post in the uh, episode notes. Check that out to follow them. And now this brings us to the end of our podcast, Ian. It's been a pleasure having you, but the fun is over because now we come to 
do we listen to Jim talk about his high school? Um, Unfortunately, there is a minute of Jim come. The, the, the podcast ends. So, so I always yell at Jim for leaving too big a footprint on these podcasts. He, he interrupts too much. So I let him have a, he didn't, he did nothing. I've been well, beaten down. In fact, I've in fact, he sat there. I watched, watched him on his phone the entire time. Yeah, no, he was answering text. I, we, we, it's something I, I don't like to talk about during. He looked at his eyes because he knows he's been caught. And, um, I, it, I had a, I had a lot going on. Caught. I had a lot going on today. I was listening, as you'll see when I jump into. Well, you'll see, Ian, because he he he's the closer. He gets a minute with Jim, which usually runs more than a minute. But well, I love um, it, and I love Jim. I love you, Jim. I love you, you too, Ian. So, Ian, here's the time that you. I'm going to ask you this question. If you answer it perfectly, the podcast is over. If not, we will continue to search the answer for this mysterious question. Ian Bracci, what is clown? God damn it. I mean, I don't like that question. Well, I think we're going to be on the air. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> You have to try. I mean, clown. Okay, I mean, clowning. I think the basics. There's no fourth wall. I think there's certain elements. What is clown? There's no fourth wall. You are you are in the space. You are not pretending to be anywhere else. So any stakes that you want, you have to raise yourself with your own risk. Not a risk of a scene of a fake person, but your own personal risk. And clowning is about finding your line and what is that risk for you and how can you take that risk how about that i mean it the, the last half was pretty good first half like you it wasn't great but look we know the podcast wait okay let me try again um clowning <laughs> is wait hold on okay thank you go ahead yeah. clowning to me ian bracci <laughs> is about community and love and failure i like to use this quote from myself so you're just gonna say something chad please if (laughs) you don't Yuck my yum and I yum your yuck. If your yucky y- y- the yuck yum yum is not up to snuff, then get the hell out of here. Wow. Ed, okay, let me try again. Okay, hold on. That beat. Uh clowning to me is um probably best described by my friend Amritha Dollywall. So hit her up on Instagram and she will give you a beautiful answer. I guarantee it to what clowning what? is. I think that's fair. Uh, <laughs> shout out to my girl, my homie, Amrita, because uh, that girl knows things. Uh, You're not going to quote her, though. You're just going to send no, people I, on a, to go find No, I, uh, Amrita is a strong, independent woman that can speak for herself, Chad. So... <laughs> I will let her speak for herself. Thank you and very much, truly, Ian. The pedagogy of clown can talk to that woman. She knows books and is intelligent. She knows well. books. She knows books and intelligence. And she my name's me. Ian Bracci. And what's your Instagram? My Instagram's at Ian Bracci. And also 
uh, gentlemen cowboys, B O I S boys. Um, you can catch me in the clown zoo with Chad. What's going on? Losers. Uh, you can drop a tab at the end of this with uh, the idiot workshop. Uh, I'm represented by Simmons and Scott uh, here this is unnecessary. in California. If you want to reach out uh, and pay me, that'd be great. Chad, uh, how much do I get for this? Okay. Uh, you know, we'll talk <laughs> off air. It's time now. Um, I'm going to yield the floor. It's the end of the podcast. It's been do a I great one. Do I have to stay one. here? Yeah, yes. You, well, you're going to, yes, you can't leave yet. We're almost done. We are almost um, done. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you a minute with Jim. Well, this has been very informative. Um, Ian, I love working with you. One, I love your heart. You always bring so much heart to every performance that you do. You actually bring heart to the fellow performers before the show. You make me feel very welcome. You make me feel like I matter, unlike Chad. And if you weren't in Clown Zoo, I probably would have given up by now. So I, I really appreciate you. <laughs> I love that you um, brought up your musical sense. I didn't realize that, like me, you played many different instruments. Uh, not that great. I, I can completely identify with that. I would You're be a curious. Musician. In, what, I'm sorry, what? You're phenomenal at music. See, this is, this is exactly what I'm saying. See, the love. <laughs> I love it. Um, I really enjoyed hearing old stories about idiot work and John Gilkey. And I appreciate that during your definition of clown, you actually, for the first time, have made it so that I am not the most awkward, weird part of the podcast. So God bless. Thank you very much. God and bless. That's my time. Well, thank you all for listening to another installment. Um, this will also be in the episode notes, but we have a second April show. Um, it's on April 24th. We have Eddie Pepitone, James Adomian, Britannic, uh, who are a great duo that's done Edinburgh and, and uh, stand-up and sketch-type comedy. Um, please check it out. Please hey, when am I doing this show? It's for stand-ups only. Um, I do stand-up. When? I when pretend. are you I can do it. All right. um, folks, uh, we really appreciate. Spread the word. Subscribe. Give us a review. Um, this We are growing. Um, it's it's amazing. But I was looking at our, um, I wanted to say our agnostics, but I know that's not a word. What Is am I going to say? Diagnostics. Yeah. I wanted to say agnostics <laughs> because we don't believe in computers, I guess. But or we, we believe we, in They eggs. might exist. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah, we're growing and it's because of you. So please keep telling people about this podcast. Um, we want to spread the word about this art form. Uh, and until we speak again, my friends, this has been Chad Demiani. Keep on clowning. Sweet dreams, everybody. It's only about seven more minutes left. Of this, oh boy. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>